Sure, nice, and I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, yeah, please continue to pray for uh, our church. If you think about New York, um, we really would appreciate uh, your prayers. And it is good to see Brother Scott tonight, and it's been a long time. I was just trying to think, do the math myself. So uh, I know we've been in New York for 17 years, so it was right before that, I guess, that we probably saw each other. So, But uh, uh, please pray for us and uh, pray for this, the city. And uh, I hope you'll get involved in the uh, festival. Uh, uh, our community had one last Sunday, one day a year. Uh, they closed off a street, and there were thousands and thousands of people there, obviously in New York, but... Uh, we were able to have a booth and just got out so much uh, scripture and literature and an opportunity to talk to people. You never know. Uh, you just never know. Uh, God promises that his word won't return void. So I hope that you'll, you'll uh, be a part of that and be a part of something good. I was a little upset tonight when you prayed. You didn't remember to pray for the Yankees who'll be playing here in just a few minutes. But, so, uh, but I don't know that we should do that because I'm afraid if I ask some of you to pray for the Yankees, you'll pray they'll lose. So we won't, uh, we're just going to skip over that tonight and let the Lord have his way. Amen. Okay. Second Kings chapter four tonight, just, uh, for a few minutes, uh, you know, I have the unenviable task of coming in after revival week. So, um, <laughs> you, you heard some great preaching I know last week and, uh, uh and perhaps I'm just going to repeat some things and, uh, and that's okay. I'm glad that God doesn't mind repeating himself and over and over in the Bible, he says, remember, 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 because he knows we forget, forget, forget. So hopefully tonight, if you've heard something, that you'll just smile and uh, uh, act like you haven't. But hopefully the Lord can speak to your heart tonight. Um, as I just try to share something with you a little bit that is always a challenge to me. It's very fundamental. Um, it's one of the first things you learn as a believer, but yet it's certainly harder to practice. And that is this idea of walking or living by faith in our life. Uh, life is difficult, would you agree? Uh, and just when you think you've figured out something and you've passed uh, through something, it, it, here comes something else in your life. Um, you know, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, you've just come off great revival services and uh, perhaps you made some decisions in your life. Perhaps you, you just recommitted yourself and which is all wonderful things. Uh, you know, as well as I do, the devil's not going to sit back and just, uh, you know, let you press on. So difficulty will come in life. And we know that it comes for a lot of reasons. We know sometimes we bring difficulty upon ourselves and it's our own fault. We did it. It's, it's my, my problem. Sometimes it's just a result of living in this wicked world. And, you know, the reality is life is not fair. And sometimes, quote unquote, bad things happen to good people. But the reality is that people have suffered at my, uh, because of something I've done uh, as well. So we know that's just what it means to live on this planet. Sometimes difficulty comes as a test, and, and it's really there, sent by God to strengthen us, to reveal some things about us, to mold us, to make us, to better us. But the reality is difficulty will come in life, and you and I can't try to run from it. We just need to learn how to deal with it. I think C.S. Lewis said, life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but it's peace in the midst of difficulties. So we're going to read about a woman tonight who had her life changed in the matter of a day. Uh, just uh, within a few hours, her life changed drastically. Perhaps that's your testimony. Perhaps you can look back at a day in your life and say, you know, my world changed on this date at this time. Uh, the, the reality is none of us knows what tomorrow may bring. 
and uh, the difference that a day can make or hours can make is sometimes a bit overwhelming. But in the midst of this woman's change of life, she exhibits what it means to continue to walk by faith. And I just would like to pull out a few, I hope, practical principles tonight that I hope will help. Uh, we don't have time to read this entire chapter. If you want a good read, read back through 2 uh, Kings chapter 4, and you read uh, uh, really about two women who exhibited great faith. But we're going to pick up in the second uh, uh, account, which begins in verse 8, and we're introduced to a woman from the city of Shunem. Uh, because of time's sake, let me just tell you a little bit of the story. Uh, this woman's a godly woman. The Bible tells us that she and her husband were God-fearing, God-believing. Uh, they seem to be well-known in their community. At one point, Elisha said, hey, do you want me to go talk to the king for you? I don't need that. She seemed to be very uh, reputable and respectable. And uh, the Bible says that she opened her home to the prophet. And every time Elisha came through, he could stay at her home. And it got to a point where she said to her husband, let's build a little apartment on the side of our home. And anytime he comes through, he can feel free to crash and to just uh, rest and, and have a place of his own. And so that's what they did, a little uh, prophet's chamber, as it were. You have one back here, which we're getting to stay in, which we're very thankful for that. Um, and so Elisha took advantage of that. And uh, he passed through many, many times. And so one day Elisha says to uh, his helper, hey, what do you think... Uh, would be a great blessing to this woman for her kindness. And so uh, finally, uh, the, the servant says, well, I think more than anything, she would love to have a child. And so Elisha calls her in and he says, ma'am, you've been so kind to us and in doing so really been kind to the Lord. This, from this point on, nine months from now, you will have a son. And, and, and in essence, she says, no, don't, don't, don't play around with me and don't, don't pull my leg I'm not asking, but if you're going to tell me that, be for real. And he says, I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. And so sure enough, verse 17, the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said, according to the time of life, a baby is born. And this family is so excited, talking about a change of life. Now, they had a little bit of time, nine months, you know, but wow, uh, what, what a, just a change. And many of you understand that and know what it's like to, to go from, you know, being single and then, you know, uh, uh, being married and now all of a sudden having, having a child. Verse 18, the Bible says this, and when the child was grown, so he's a little older, um, he's still a, a boy, but it says, when the child was grown, that it fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said unto his father, verse 19, my head, my head. And he said to his son, uh, carry him back, or said to a lad, carry my son back to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, the boy sat on her knees until noon and then died. Wakes up, has his bowl of Cheerios, you know, Normal life. Can I go see dad? Sure, go out to the field and see dad. He goes out to dad and his head's hurting. Dad, man, my head hurts really bad. Hey, somebody take him back to be with his mom. Mom comforts him. And by noon, he is dead. Talking about a life change. Perhaps you've been in that situation. Now notice what she does. How would you respond? How do we respond. Verse 20, and when he had, uh, verse 21, and so she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God. 
not on her own bed, but on Elisha's bed, shut the door upon him and went out. And she called and said to her husband, please send me, I pray you, one of the young men, one of the asses, so that I can run to the man of God and come again. I need to go see the preacher. I need to go see Elisha. And he said, why will you go today? It's not a holiday, new moon, it's not a Sabbath. And she said, everything's fine, but I need to go see Elisha. So he gave her permission. She saddled an ass. She said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slack for riding except I bid you. I need you to go as fast as you possibly can and get there. Don't stop until I tell you. So sure enough, she comes to the man of God in the Mount of Carmel. And he came to pass when the man of God saw her that he said to his servant, behold, there's the Shunammite. So go to her, run to her. I'm an old man, uh, but find out she looks distressed. Go and make sure. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? So Gehazi goes, hey, everything all right? How is everything? She says, it's it's okay. We sing, don't we? It is well with my soul. She believed it would be okay. And when she finally came to the man of God, and by the way, don't you see, no one else will do. I need to speak to to the one who communicates with God. I I need the presence and the power of God. And there are times in our life that's the only thing that we need and that we must pursue. So she comes, she catches him by the feet. Gehazi says, hey, leave, leave him alone. The man of God said, let her alone. Her soul is vexed and the Lord hid it from me. And so verse 28, she said, now, did I not desire, did I desire son of my Lord? Did I not say, now, don't deceive me? So he tells Gehazi, long story short, you run ahead for me. It's a 25 mile trip to get to her home. You go ahead, take my staff. When you see the boy, put my staff on him and and we trust that God will heal him. So Gehazi begins and the Shunammite says, that's all good. That's great. But here's the deal. I don't leave here without you, Elisha. So I need you to come with me no matter how long it takes. So here they go. Gehazi goes, he gets to the house. He walks into Elisha's little chamber. There's the body of the dead young boy and he puts the staff on the boy and nothing. Gehazi walks out of the house and he begins to make his way back. And en route, he, he meets Elisha and the Shunammite woman. And he says, hey, I, I tried. I, 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 I did what you told me and nothing happened. But Elisha says, we're going to keep going. So Elisha and she go. In verse 32, Elisha came in the house. The child was there. He was dead, laid upon his bed. And he goes in and he shuts the door on the two of them. And he prays to the Lord. And he went up and he laid on the child. He put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on the child and the flesh of the child began to get warm. But still, there's no consciousness. There's no movement. Verse 35, Elisha returns and he walks in the house to and fro. Have you ever had days like that or nights where you just paced and you walked? God, I, I don't understand this. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here. Even Elisha had that night. So he's there. And, and, and so the Bible says that he goes back up again, verse 35, and he, and he stretches himself on the child and the boy sneezes seven times and he opens his eyes. 
And he calls Gehazi and he said, go get the Shunammite. So he called her and when she was come in unto him, he said, now take up your son. And she went in and fell at his feet, bowed herself to the ground and then took up her son and went out. This woman was a great woman of faith. How do we know that? Just not only reading here, but Hebrews in chapter 11, it tells us we don't know her name. We don't know a, a lot about who she was individually other than that she's recorded in Hebrews eleven thirty five. She's mentioned as one of those women who by faith received their dead raised to life. She had a legacy, no doubt, for her son and her family of being a woman of faith. You never know what's gonna happen in your life. We can't always be prepared for every event that may possibly happen. But rather, we're told no matter what happens, that we are to walk by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith, and as long as we're on this planet, we're to live by faith. We're to have great faith, and I would challenge you, and I believe the challenge is for us to practice faith in our everyday life. Now you say, why is that so important? And here's just a couple thoughts or observations I'd like to share with you tonight that have really helped me. One is I want you to see there's always a purpose for our faith. Always a purpose. It would make sense that something amazing would happen to this woman. That she and her husband had been so good to Elisha and had done so much for him and, and they had invited him into their home and fed him countless times and then they add on to their home so that the, the preacher, anytime he's in town, would have his own place. It would only make sense that God would do something amazing for her, give her a child. I mean, even the secular, unbelieving world understands that. We hear people say, what goes around what? comes around. Do unto others, right? As we want them to do unto us. We reap what? What we sow. So that just makes sense. They've poured out good. They've paid it forward. They've done all these things. It makes sense that God would do something great. What doesn't make sense in her life is that this child that God gave her only a few years old suddenly becomes ill in the morning and by afternoon he's dead. There are times in our life where there are things that will happen and it just makes no logical sense. There's no explanation for it. Hey, I know I got a flat tire because I was rude to that guy at the gas station. Hey, I, I, I know why I reached in and I found a $10 bill because I gave somebody $10 the other day. But what doesn't make sense is I'm struggling along. I'm trying to follow you, God, and rear my family in the right way. And I'm trying to read my Bible every day. And I'm trying to be in church. And I've tried to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and do all the things that I'm supposed to do. And I can't understand nor explain why this is happening to me. But yet those moments and events will happen in her life. There's no way to prepare for those things. It goes against the whole reap and sow principle. And it is in those times that our faith is essential. It'll be our faith that keeps us functioning when these unexplainable things take place and we know they will. Children will disappoint us. I don't understand why after everything I've done, but yet they will. A diagnosis comes back or a sickness or depression or job loss or death of a loved one or even sin and all of a sudden devastation and we didn't see it coming. But it is in those times that our faith is being tested. 
We know she had faith in God because immediately she takes the dead body of her son and she takes it to the bed of Elisha the prophet, not her own bed, but she puts it on the prophet's bed so that no one would begin funeral arrangements. Jewish tradition, 24 hours, the body has to be in the ground. I'm going to put him on the prophet's bed. Maybe there's still some lingering presence of God there. She believes that God can do something amazing. If you want to find out the extent of your faith, evaluate it in times of difficulty. Our options when this kind of unexpected event happens is we can freeze, and sometimes we do. Our life kind of stands still. Sometimes we just fall apart and self-destruct. What would you do, moms, if, if, if this happened to you? Just fall apart and just become an emotional mess? And, 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 and we would say, rightfully so. Some of us would run to other tangible outlets call doctors and, and, and try to find people who could help us immediately. But yet we're told we're to walk by faith in God. No doubt she had heard of Elijah and the woman at Zarephath and how that woman's son had died and how Elijah had been used by God to raise that boy to life and knowing that Elisha was given a double blessing. Man, if God can do that through Elijah, maybe God can do that through Elisha as well. Remember two things as part of this purpose for our faith. Number one, remember if faith enables me to remember who God is. God allows these things sometime in my life, not so I freeze up, not so I run to other outlets, not, because I've, not so that I can fall apart, but so that I'll stop and remember who he is. Psalm 23, David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I have all the answers. That's not what he said. I will fear no evil for thou art with me. And I remember it's your rod and your staff that comfort me. And I remember it's your goodness and your mercy, my two bodyguards, my two footmen that'll go with me, not only all the days of my life, but all those days in eternity. He remembered Tony Evans said that God sometimes lets us hit rock bottom so we can discover that he is the rock at the bottom. Listen, uh, uh, this spring, our family went on vacation to Florida and we went to the ocean. We like to go to the, the ocean, the beach. And my daughter, who will be four next month, really one of the first times she'd ever been there and could remember it. So as we walked out in the water and we got out a little bit further, she, she started getting a little bit afraid as the water was up to her knees and those waves kept crashing in, going in and out and in and out. And we got to a point, I'm holding her hand and, and she says to me, dad, I don't want to go any further. And she looked at me and said, can you carry me? And when I picked her up above those waves, all her fear was gone. Now she didn't worry about any of those waves going in and out and in and out because she knew I could do something for her she couldn't do for herself. You get the picture? You know what God says? Listen, life is like those waves. Difficulty comes in, knocks you back, and finally it goes out and you think, woo, and here comes another one, boom, and next thing you know, here's a bill and here's a sickness, and it just, sometimes it's relentless in our life. And we get scared and we get fearful and we get confused. And what God wants us to understand is I'm right here holding your hand. But he's waiting for us to say, hey, listen, can you pick me up? Can you carry me? And when we remember who he is, he picks us up. And it doesn't matter the affairs of life. We're safe and we're secure and our faith is strong. 
our faith and that purpose, it begins to build us and it reminds us who God is. Our faith also helps me to remember what God has promised. Listen, God's providence, the way he does things, it may fail us sometimes. But his promises will never fail us. See, what do you mean by that? Listen, God may not do things the way we think he should do and in the time that we think and using the people that we think and the resources. And we may say, God, I I know you're all providential, but this doesn't make any sense. But his promises will never fail, never fail us. John Wesley said it's our faith that fails, not his promises. Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is Right. Remember who he is and that he's a rewarder than to diligently seek him. I believe, God, you are who you say you are. And I believe you'll do what you say you'll do. There is a purpose for the difficulty we face in life. And so we can't run from that. We need to let God strengthen our faith because it reminds us who he is and what he's promised. C.S. Lewis also said, we're not necessarily as Christians Doubting that God will do the best for us. We're just wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. Most of us understand God loves us and always loves us. We just wonder what road is he going to take us down? But as he's building our faith, it reminds us who he is and his promises. Notice for this woman, it it was a purpose behind it. Notice there was also a process. And and I wish I had more time, but I hope you'll go back and read through it. But let me just say this. There was a process involved to her faith being strengthened. When her son dies, she begins to go through a series of thoughts in her mind. What, What do I do? Panic, freeze, curse God. So immediately she begins to respond. And what you see about this woman is, in a nutshell, is that her responses remained in obedience to God's desires. Meaning she did not step outside of God's will in her response. Truth is, I can't always say that that's true of me. Sometimes I let my emotions or fear or even what other people may be saying to me dictate some of the responses and the decisions that I make in times of difficulty. And don't we do that? But notice what she does. She lays her son in a place. This is the best place I can lay him. And maybe God somehow, you know, will will help him. But he's going to stay there. Then I'm going to go find, if you will, God. The representation of God. The one who can talk to God. But she doesn't have an attitude. She still shows respect and deference to her husband. Hey, honey, can I get the car keys? I need to go see Elisha. In that culture, and even today, wives respect, honor your husbands, right? Some may have responded like, get out of my way. This is your fault. Hey, I I need to go see Elisha. And notice his response. Everything okay? I don't want to worry him. It's all good. Well, it's not holiday. It's not Sabbath. I don't think they're having church meetings today. But I don't doubt you. If you need to go see him, here you go. 
She, she fulfills, if you can say, her wifely duties. She's respectful before God. She's not worrying. She goes to see the man of God. And what happens? Well, when she gets there, listen, she, she's respectful. She says, listen, didn't I talk to you? And didn't I say, if, if you're going to promise me this, don't, don't, don't tease me? I don't think she's being accusatory. I really believe in the connotation. You realize she's saying, hey, I just need you to follow through. You promised to me a son. He's sick. But I'm trusting that God's going to follow through with the promise he made for me. She's not disrespectful. Hey, I'm going to send my servant. Great, you can do that. But you and I, I'm staying with you. She's patient. She stays in the process. When they get to the house, Elisha prays. Elisha comes out. I don't I, And he goes back in and prays. She's patient in the process. And here's a wild thing for me. As soon as the boy sneezes and he wakes up, Elisha says, go get her, go get her. Mom comes in. Listen, moms, what would you do? I think instinctually I'd go and throw my arms around my, my, my resurrected child. But first thing she does is fall at the feet of Elisha and worships God. Thank you, God. And then she goes and embraces her child. You see, she continues to live in obedience, even in difficulty in her life. And that's part of the process. See, the testing comes because anybody can have great faith if there's never a bump in the road and there's never any trouble. But here comes the trouble. Will I continue to be the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife, the right kind of employee, the right kind of parent? Will I continue to read my Bible every day? Will I continue to get on my knees and pray? Will I still be faithful in church? Will I still tithe even if, if there's a financial pinch? Will I still be obedient? Because that's all part of the process of building my faith. And you see that in her life. She allowed her faith in God to lead her steps each day. She allowed her faith to push her closer to God. She didn't accuse Elisha. She would not leave, however, unless he was with her. What a great picture. I will not leave you, God. Think of Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord. It was a 25-mile trek, but there's no distance too far that I won't go to see this through. You and I are at a crossroads every day when difficulty comes. Will I allow my emotions? Will I allow other people? Will I allow cultural norms to dictate how now I will live my life? Hey, I'll live my life by faith as long as this, this, and this are true. But whoa, this affected my marriage now. This affects my kids. And now this is my job we're talking about. Will we continue to follow the Lord in obedience? There's a process to that. And let me give you this last thought. I practice faith because of the purpose and the process, but then there's the promise of faith. So take heart. There's a promise always to those of us who walk by faith. Listen, God will always keep his promises. His ways may be confusing and frustrating at times, but he will always keep his promises. There are questions that I cannot answer about this event. Why did the child even have to die? I don't know. You may have questions. Why did this? And maybe you'll never get an answer here. Why did he have to die so quickly? I mean, in hours. Why could not Gehazi, the servant, heal him with Elisha's staff? Why did Elisha have trouble 
even when he prayed and and stretched out upon him? Why did God delay? I don't know. All I know is that God has made promises to those of us who walk by faith. God's ways are not ours. God's timing is not ours. There are always lessons to be learned we have to remember. Even Elisha had to step up and wait and continue to pray in faith. God will always be glorified if we allow him to be. Think of it. We're reading about this woman 3,000 years after she lived. It's a mind-blowing thought. If, if the Lord tarries, you imagine a decision you make tomorrow, a response that you and I have this week. What if somebody read about it 3,000 years from now? Isn't that amazing? Here's one last thought. Turn to chapter eight. Would you do that just quickly? Remember, not only will God be glorified and he's teaching us, but God is always working on our behalf for our future. You know what God does today has future benefit? How do you know that? In, in, in chapter eight, and we'll read one verse in a moment, but let me just summarize this and we'll be done. After the son is healed, God says to Elisha, go talk to the king. There's going to be a famine in Israel. Seven years. Go tell the Shunammite woman they need to leave. There's going to be no way that they can provide for themselves here. So they pack up what? Talking about life, right? What an event. Man, what a roller coaster. My son is now alive. Got that done with. Here comes the news a short time later. You need to move. What? Got to move. There's a famine. That's how life is. The waves, they batter. Okay, they move away for seven years. There's great famine in the land. After the famine is over, Israel and the Israelites begin to return home. The king of Israel is a little bit... uh, 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 Doubtful and uncertain about what's going to happen. And so he calls for Elisha. So Elisha sends his servant Gehazi in. And the king says, listen, you know, we've had a famine. And will we ever recover? Will Israel ever be strong again? And so Gehazi said, yes. God is a great God. Really? Yeah. Let me tell you a story. Seven years ago, there was a woman. You may know her, king. She had a son late in life. And that son died one day, just like that. But she believed and prayed, and God raised her son from the dead. And you know, if God can do that, King, God can rebuild and re-strengthen our nation again. Oh, the king is riveted. While Gehazi's speaking and sharing the story, He turns around and he says, all these Israelites are returning home. And he looks, hey, king, you're not going to believe that. The woman that I just told you, she's in line. She's right here. And the king says, really? Get her up here. So come here, ma'am, come here. And they bring the Shunammite woman to the front. She was there. The Bible tells us that she was there to ask for her land back. We've been gone, king, for seven years. We just want our homestead back. We just want our homes back. 
She and many other Israelites, and she shows up that today. If you've ever been to a public uh, office anywhere, the DMV, uh, my goodness, you know, especially you go to New York City, forget it. I mean, the lines are miles out the door. And here she is waiting with everybody else that maybe God will grant me my homestead back. And the very moment she's there, her story is being told to the king. No coincidence. The king says, ma'am, is this true what he just told me? It is. I want to hear you tell me. So she shares what God did. And now notice here, it says in in, uh, chapter uh, 8 and verse number 6. So when the king heard this, it said that he asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer saying, restore all that was hers, all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even till now. Wow, that so moved me, ma'am. You know, I'm so encouraged. Hey, buddy, come here. Listen, I I deputize you. You make sure her, uh, she and her family get their land back. And listen, I don't know where it was. And if we did have any food or conducted any business on that land and we made any profit, you make sure that goes to her. Make sure she gets it all back. Seven years later. And I would even propose to you, had she that day that she sat with her little boy in her lap and watched him take his last breath, had she not responded in faith, that her life would have been drastically different in the days and in the years to come. Listen, what God's doing in your life today and what God's doing in my life today, it has future purpose. So what's the lesson for me? I gotta walk by faith now. It's a process. Will I be faithful? Will I just keep at it? Do I understand there's purpose? And hey, am I holding on the fact that there's such great promises for me? So may God help us in our time of difficulty because it's coming. But may we look to him and let him reward our faith. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I pray you bless your word tonight. And you know the needs here. Lord, I pray work in our lives as only you can. Let us draw encouragement from a woman, from her husband, from a little boy. Lord, help us to realize what you did in them. You desire to do in us as well, we pray. Thank you for saving us by faith. Thank you for helping us to walk by faith. And let us, Lord, uh, please you, we pray in Jesus' name.